Hey everybody, welcome back to Me and the Gals. This is the second part of the episode on polyamorous relationships because I think about five seconds into my conversation with Cleo here last time, I knew I wasn't going to get enough of her and I was going to have to ask her back. So that's what I did. Welcome, Cleo. Welcome. Oh no, sorry. Can we <laughs> we need to cut that off. I was still thinking about like welcoming me too. It's like uh in the restaurant enjoy yeah you too <laughs> exactly exactly i love it i love it well this is um cleo anyway everybody cleo is a writer and a guest contributor to more channels than i can name she'll share that with us later and cleo writes and speaks about polyamorous relationships feminism female lust and just simply being humans in a world together, negotiating our relationships with each other. So I'm really happy she was willing to join me for a second part. And towards the end of our last episode, we had actually talked about the idea of freedom within, and maybe even without, polyamorous relationships. And Cleo, you had mentioned that when your committed partner goes out to, I don't know, play sports or go out to dinner or have sex with another person, that that has nothing to do with you. I would love it if you could elaborate on that point a little bit more because it sounded like you were onto something very interesting there. And I just want to hear more about it. Yeah. In the beginning, when we just started our um, open relationship, classical open relationship at that point, um, thinking about just having sex dates with other people and being only in love with each other. At that point, I thought that everything was going to change after he uh, would go out, have sex with another person, uh, maybe, I don't know, discover that other women are so much better than I am. <laughs> it, you know, I was tense the first time he went out with another girl. I thought, yeah, maybe she does something, like she does things differently. And I bet she did. I mean, she's another person and uh, like a whole other human being. Of course, she does things differently than I do. But when, when he came back and I noticed that there was nothing to notice, it just felt, I felt excited. Um, he shared his experience with me. We had sex because of that, because it's a turn on like big time. <laughs> so, and more importantly, when I, for the first time, had sex with another person again after several years of being in a monogamous relationship with my partner, um, I enjoyed so much being intimate with another person who I could, like, yet yeah, discover again, like his ones, his reactions in bed. And I really, I enjoyed it so much. I was fascinated by this new person. And when I came home and I could, I, I could feel that, all this has its own space at the same time. It's possible that th those feelings can happen simultaneously, can just be and don't like really impact each other. It didn't impact my trust in my partner, my love for my partner. My, yeah, the attraction was even higher afterwards to my partner. 
at that point. Since you talk about an increase in attraction, I'm wondering, does it also feel like in some ways because you're allowing each other this much freedom that you could also observe I don't want to say an increase in love, but like a greater a greater love for this person. Because for me, I think it always is three things that come together um, with love. It's love, freedom, but also security mm-hmm. on all levels for all three of these. Would you think, would you say that these have increased for you? Is that important for you that they do? Yeah, um, it is. And I think it did. Like the... Um, you mentioned security, which is a big point because in the beginning you think you, you're going to have less security because your partner, you know, he's allowed to stray. <laughs> and yeah, but like discovering that he, that it didn't change anything for our relationship made me feel even more secure, even if it nothing secure with uh, relationships. We all know that hopefully. And, um, but I felt like there is less that could distract us from each other, like really eventually, like really tear us apart because what is, what is tearing relationships apart? It's most of the time violated trust, for example, or like the, I don't know, the fling, someone just, you know, stepping aside, hooking up with some stranger. And, um, so it's, like distrust is still in uh, like a topic for us. But on the other hand, there are less things that make me feel this is a relationship I cannot maintain. This is a person I cannot trust anymore because we have this routine of communicating with each other, of knowing it's really welcome that I'm open about my, my wants and needs. And it's really, there is another person who really understands me, who gets me on a level So Cleo, another question I have, because I live in Berlin, as do you now, and polyamorous relationships or non-monogamous relationships are all the rage. They've been now for, well, Berlin being Sodom and Gomorrah, I think it's always been (laughs) a place where you could definitely explore. But I'm wondering, (laughs) do you think that polyamorous relationships are just a trend or will they even become a more dominant relationship model in the future? Where do you see it in terms of a a greater, bigger picture within the society that we have today and here in in where we live in Berlin, I guess, but also just in general, because you mentioned that the U.S. scene is also quite pronounced. What, what do you think? Is this a is this a mega trend? Well, there are several answers to this question. I think um, I think it's it is a trend in a society that can allow itself to be this free and this. You know, um, people having so many resources and being not oppressed by, I don't know, a system, a really restrictive uh, belief system or religion. And so maybe it's a trend in terms of how freely uh, we can live within our society. But like for the individual, I don't think it's a trend because I think um, being polyamorous being non-monogamous, being non-monogamish, which is, you know, sometimes a fling when we're on holiday, for example. <laughs> but still, we're most of the time we're sexually ex- exclusive. Um, I think people have been like that, like at any point in time. But now, um, 
I don't know if it's maybe social media or online dating, which fuels, like really fuels this, all of that. I think we are able and we are willing to talk about this more than we did before. I mean, especially for women nowadays, I can be in this podcast. I mean, even I am using pseudonym, you know, but still I can stand on the street and tell people, hey, I'm promiscuous. I'm a slut. I really love sex with people. And I really I'm, I'm doing it at the same time with multiple people or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even outside of Berlin, people would just shrug their shoulders or maybe ask if they can join. But still, I'm not as shamed as I think my my grandmother would have been. In Germany, you know, so my, my grandmother would have, even if she was monogamous, uh, was polyamorous, I wouldn't know. She would never, I think, have heard of that. She would never have thought of this being allowed, like of this being an option even. And now since we are allowed to talk about those options and, I don't know, really educate each other about what is possible and what that relationships can be fluid and no one's going to be mad about it. So I think we're just out of the closet <laughs> more than we were, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago. So, Cleo, do you think when you say um, it's not necessarily something that will be a model for most people, are we hardwired for monogamy or are we actually hardwired for polyamorous relationships? Is this an either-or question? Oh, <laughs> that's a hard question. It's definitely one that always comes up, I know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm no specialist. I'm just, uh, it's just my own perspective, you know. I'm not an anthropologist or stuff like that. I'm not trained in this um, area. So I can't tell you. I can just say um, I think there are people um, if they think about it, what they want, like if they if they keep resources like time and money and stuff like that out of the picture, I think there are still people who say, I am monogamous. I want to focus on one person and I'm just happy with that. And there are people who are born with the urge to discover, I don't know, more than one relationship at the same time because they're just curious and open it and this, this is just the way they connect with other people and I would consider myself um, this kind of person I really like to connect with people on any levels possible if if we click um, but I don't think we're we're like literally hardwired like that because we have to adapt to circumstances and we can even be I, I mean I was living monogamous relationships really happily um even if i now say that i'm a non-monogamous person so i don't think it's like my biology would like keep me from being monogamous i don't think it's it but but this is only me you know i, I can't tell about like other people um, I don't think anybody can definitively say it either. I was just wondering what your opinion <laughs> on it was, because we're so often told that, for example, now the classic sort of male, cis male idea is to spread the seed, mm. whereas the woman is all about containing the home. And it's just always interesting to maybe get an idea of what it is that we um, think we should think 
about yeah. it, right? Like that we've, that we've been taught to think about it and what are our actual urges? What is actually there? What is it that I want to explore, but I don't dare because mom didn't and dad didn't mm-hmm. and certainly not our grandparents. And so it becomes a bit of a challenge to question whatever model it is you might be in at this time, right? Yeah. I uh, wouldn't want to uh, go into detail on that because um, because time. <laughs> But there's a really interesting book. It's called Female Choice by Michael Stoverock. And so it was released, it was published uh, at the beginning of last year in German, but maybe there's already an English version. And it sheds some more light on like all those misunderstandings of uh, women being like shy and only wanting to have one partner and men being like really outgoing and like, yeah, spreading the seed, as you said. Um, there's, yeah. there are some misconceptions and this book uh, really helps. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I can, it's a big recommendation at this point. Okay, well, we'll definitely have to pop that into the show notes of this mm-hmm. episode also then. I'll put it on my personal reading list <laughs> as well. Um, so speaking of trends, um, do you think this is for you now a phase and that you will stop eventually, you know, kind of grow mm-hmm. out of it, if you will? Um, or is this a lifestyle that you know you'll always want? Like some people just know they want children or they know they want to live in another country. Mm-hmm. Do you think you know that this is definitely the model going forward? Or is that also one of those things where you say, who knows? Mm. The more moderate answer would be who knows. But I want to say now that I tasted blood, (laughs) I'm not going back. Um, No, I, I mean, never say never. But I wish this would be the lifestyle I can really, yeah, I, can, I, I want to live a monogamous lifestyle for the rest of my life because it makes me happy and I don't feel as limited as I did before. And now I know that I felt limited without really being aware of it, but I don't think it can be unseen, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I wonder, since you sound like someone who definitely is happy with this choice, what would you say, here goes the pro-polyamorous relationships thing now, what are some of the advantages other than being able to have sex with other partners or become intimate on an emotional level with other partners? Is that what it is? Is it the, the matter of choice? Is it the matter of diversity of choice? Is it the freedom? What would you say? Give me like the three top selling points, I guess, for this kind of relationship model, if you will, if it's not too reductive. Well, um, it's not too reductive because there's a reason why these are the main points, you know. Um, like for me, being able um, to diversify my sex life is a big point because I really like that. But um, one of the advantages of Polyamory, polyamorous living or non-monogamous living is that I learned to communicate and I learned to ask myself, communicate with myself, what is it that I want? What is it that mm-hmm. I want from a partner, my life? What is it that I want from myself? Um, what do I need to, to be happy overall? Um, this, those questions, I, I didn't ask them. Um, I didn't ask, I, I wasn't wondering what was my my way my 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 style of living is it really 
uh, I don't know, marrying, having children, and I don't know, or just the career and freeing my thoughts about relationships, just thinking outside the box in this really, to me, crucial area of my life and of my happiness. It yes. really added so much, I don't know, possibility to other areas of my life because why wouldn't I think outside the box in my job now mm -hmm. why do you have to um, besides like the money uh, why do you have to work full time why don't I I don't know have a career but work part-time so that my work-life balance is I don't know a better one quality of life just um so all those questions they I don't know it opened it opened up my thinking if that makes sense. I don't know. It makes total sense. I love that you say it's actually taught you mm -hmm. to question the status quo in areas that don't even have anything to do with romantic yeah. relationships, but indeed are also equally as vital in some phases of our lives, maybe even more important, which is, well, what kind of work do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And how is that very different from what I was taught what I should be doing? So I love that even this, there's this element of freedom, which doesn't have anything to do with sexual choice yeah. necessarily. It's just freedom in another area. Yeah, exactly. So because I know that this is a misconception a lot of people have, I'm just going to ask this question in a sort of more pro forma way, which is, is this just about sex? Is this about having sexual choices and, I guess, liberation in some ways? It is also about sex, for most of the people um, but it all, it's also about having the possibility of co-parenting having the possibility of sharing more resources than just between just two partners it's mm -hmm. it's it's about not being um, maybe not because sometimes I observe people in monogamous relationships wanting their partner to fulfill any need they have like being really good in bed, being a, a really, really great parent, the, like the, um, the caretaker, but also having a career so that they can live the life. You know what I mean? And um, being a friend, even being, I don't know, empathetic, <laughs> all of that. And yeah. And to me, it's also about having the, like having the possibility to seek those fulfillment of my needs in different people so that everyone can chill a bit more <laughs> because the expectations right. are not like as high on just one person and this is an advantage that I feel because um, I don't know very practical example I'm not really into riding bicycles I just I do it to get from point A to B but I don't even like it And my long-term mm -hmm. committed partner, he loves riding the bicycle like for hundreds of kilometers and I cannot be arsed, to, to be honest. So he seeks, I, I don't know, you. other partners um, who like that as well. And they go on tours maybe for weeks sometimes and they enjoy each other and each other's company and sometimes they have sex in tents and which I don't like as well, like either. So um, I'm totally with you. <laughs> so uh, this is, it is about sex, but it, it's about everything that, um, I don't know, relationships consist of. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's that's really interesting. The whole outsourcing, the bike riding, I totally hear you on that one. If any of my partners wants to go into a tent, I'm going to be like, okay, this is where we talk about a polyamorous relationship because I am not going into the tent. But you do you with anyone else. You do you with anyone who wants to do that tent thing. But um, yeah. All right, Cleo, the last question I have for our second part here is because... As you know, I wrote a book about breakups, which, by the way, since we last spoke, I sent it to the publisher. So let's see what's happening mm, with that. Congrats. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you. So um, it's called The Breakup Call. And it deals, however, very much with monogamous relationships. And if they weren't non-monogamous, somebody didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a big part about infidelity but that's not what i want to talk about in this last question the last question is what is it like to break up with one partner while still being with your committed partner so you have a breakup but you also have this stable relationship how do you go about that do you share the heartache do you go to this germans have this wonderful word which we just don't have the same in english which is called liebeskummer and i'm wondering do you share this liebeskummer so this worry about love this heartache with the committed partner or is this something you have to then deal with by yourself or with other friends yes i share my liebeskummer and heartache um, with my partner but uh, firstly i want to say it is not easier like going through a breakup because I'm still in another loving, committed relationship. It's not easier. It's still a mess. It's still, it hurts. And um, sometimes people assume that it's not as bad for me because I still have someone. Like it's, I don't know, just a stock full of people and I can just go there and you know what I mean. Um, but it is in some way, I feel more supported I feel supported mm -hmm. in another way than friends would support me because at that point when I was living together with my partner, um, there was someone around me 24-7 if I wanted that. And mm -hmm. um, also to comfort me if I needed that, which is nothing I'm expecting of a friend, if you know what I mean. Um, right. But on the other hand, I um, and I, did, I experienced that late, back in 2018 for the first time. And I really needed to be careful to not put everything on my committed partner because I could see that it was, um, it was also difficult for him because in this example especially, he was kind of... I don't want to say he was glad that I broke up with this person. <laughs> um, uh -huh. That's not true. But he was like, he totally understood that it was better for the both of us. And so he was kind of, yeah, actually glad that I was going through this, that I was really um, working through it, that I was getting better because in the end, this other relationship wasn't actually really good for me. Mm -hmm. So... But still, I, I, I could see that I needed to have like various strategies of working through this grief. I didn't want to, I don't know, yeah, literally annoy my partner with being only talking about the breakup, only talking about the person I was missing dearly at that point. So I sat down and I thought, what else can I do? Um, and I started writing. 
And maybe this has something to do with me being here today, because that for the first time I started writing continue, continuously every day, like journaling and writing down my thoughts, everything that I maybe had told to several friends for several times and they were also fed up of hearing me talking all the time about this person um but I yeah. needed to still get it out of my head so yeah one strategy was writing and it wasn't for someone to read it was just for me to get it out of my head and um I started a new hobby to just have another topic I could talk about with my partner for example so that mm -hmm. I had something something else I could share and and that would lift me up a bit so that he wasn't going to um, look at my sad face all day because at some point I was having fun again, <laughs> which was good right. for, for me, but also for the relationship, you know. Um, and I think I got lucky because um, I somehow developed this intuition that I couldn't use my partner as a dumpster for my grief all day long because I I think he would have been too polite or um, you know too nice to me because he knew I was going through like a really hard breakup and a really dark phase of my life so I don't think he would have said leave me alone with this for one evening please he would have said mm -hmm. that at the point when there was, I don't know, no capacity with him anymore. So he, so I think this could have been really, um, I think it was vital that I intuitively knew I shouldn't put everything on him and, I don't know, a friend, because this could have killed our relationship. I think that's true for many of us. Uh, there's a point where maybe we are in a relationship where we think we should just share everything because it's really preoccupying our minds mm -hmm. when actually journaling, like you mentioned, is a really good strategy. For me, it's also just recording. Yeah. It's my own private podcast, if you will. Sometimes it's so much and so overwhelming that I can't get it out fast enough through the writing process. Mm -hmm. So then I just record it. And then I actually do listen back to it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that is how I felt. And this is how I need to reflect on the situation. So I love that. Again, yeah. it feels like there's a lot of, of your own responsibility in there, which I think is really great. But anyway, I want to thank you very much for this uh, conversation. I love that you shared so openly, um, which I also do. And sometimes people love it. And sometimes they're like, why do you have to share all of that? And I'm like, why not? You know, it's encouraging. But <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But lastly, Clea, where can people find you in case they didn't listen to the first part of the polyamorous relationships? What, where are you? Yeah. Firstly, uh, thank you for asking uh, so many questions. Um, I really, I really loved your questions. Um, I'm glad. Even the sex question. <laughs> no. <laughs> so thank you for your interest um, and giving me the opportunity to share a lot of those things because it helps me actually reflecting on stuff um, a lot to talk mm -hmm. about this with uh, other people. Um, yeah, you can find me on my own blog, which is called cleography.com with a PH. And um, unfortunately, my 
articles are in German so far. And uh, you can also find um, German uh, written texts on this blog called Sexologisch, which is basically a sex education blog run by Magdalena Heinzel. Um, she's an educator and therapist, and I uh, write for her, which is uh, really cool. I really like it, writing about anal sex and being paid for this. <laughs> and also, you can... No, has a job description. Yeah. <laughs> and if you like uh, listening to my voice in German, as, uh, unfortunately, as well, um, I'm, I don't know, more often than not, a guest at Eine Stunde Liebe, uh, which is part of uh, Deutschlandfunk Nova, or Deutschland radio and yes um, that's the podcast one yeah. hour of love where well, we met actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay great Cleo thank you so much for being here if anyone has any questions I forgot to say that in our last episode together please write to us at hello at me and the gals.com any information about Cleo or stuff that she shared will do will pop into the show notes and until next time everybody I hope you're loved by either several people or just <laughs> one particular special person but in any case you're in the space of love sending love from this side thank you cleo bye 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 thank you <laughs>